turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 28. I feel like the Lord keeps taking me in my time of reading and study back to 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And um, tonight we'll look at a passage here. To me, this is a very interesting passage. There's not many that I know like it in the in the Bible um, I want to I want to preface it by telling you reminding you about um, in the book of Ezekiel the the Lord takes the prophet Ezekiel to what we call the valley of dry bones you've heard that right and he says to him can these bones live now, just think about that for a second. Put yourself in that prophet's shoes and imagine if you could that the Lord would take you to uh, either a translation or an out-of-body experience, whatever you might call that, where you've got a vision and a picture of you're out in a desert in a valley and it's just full of dry bones, dead man's bones. And imagine the Lord asks you, do you think I can bring all those back to life? Do you think they could be raised and turned to life again? And think about how you would respond if it's just you and the Lord and he asks you that question. I like how the prophet responds because I think it's about the safest answer. He said, Lord, thou knowest. That's a really kind of like a non-answer in a way, but it's a safe answer, I feel like. But it's also a faith answer because my faith is in God and I honestly, I really honestly, truly do believe that God can do anything. I mean, He could make tomorrow, January 1st, 2023, if He wanted to. And we could look around and say what happened to the second half of the year. He can do whatever He wants, honestly. He can bring about a pandemic Start it and stop it whenever he wants. I've seen that. I can testify to that. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do. I believe that. But I, I, I feel like I just want to uh, give you that mindset, if I could, because I believe especially when you see a, a passage in Scripture, maybe even like what we'll look at tonight, that seems out of the ordinary or seems unusual or seems like it really just brings questions to your mind like how can that happen would the lord really do that or would he really allow that uh go back to that answer from ezekiel thou knowest you can do whatever you want to do so first samuel chapter 28 i'm going to start reading in verse 3 and just to give you a little bit of uh context so you, most of saul's life and especially kingship um, Samuel was the prophet of God who spoke the word of God to King Saul and where we're going to read here Saul has died and sorry Samuel has died and Saul is kind of left to figuring out what's going to happen next now that my man of God is gone my connection to God is gone. 
So 1 Samuel 28, verse 3, it says, uh, I'm going to bounce back and forth a little bit between King James and another translation, but I'll start reading in King James here. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land, the two very seemingly uh, unrelated statements there. Samuel the prophet died, and Saul kicked out all of the, what does it call it? Those with familiar spirits and wizards. This other translation, good news translation, says, Saul forced all the fortune tellers and mediums to leave Israel. Just uh, setting the stage there a little bit. Saul's connection to the Lord was Samuel, and Samuel's gone. So it seems like they might be unrelated, but not only is his connection to God gone by way of the prophet Samuel dying, uh, really his connection to the whole spirit world is gone because he kicked out all the other spiritists that would have been in place of the actual work of God. I mean, I think that was a, a wise decision, really, on Saul's part to say, no, we got our man of God here. We don't need this other stuff. These with familiar spirits, those that try all this and that, um, kicked them out. Well, it's reminding us that he kicked them out because of what he does next, all right? Verse 4 says, The Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. It's a battle about to start. Verse 5, when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. This other translation says, so he asked the Lord what to do, but the Lord didn't answer him at all. King James says, neither by dreams, so he wasn't having any dreams from God about like, okay, that was a spiritual dream and I'm going to take that as a word from God, no dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Urim, and I don't want to belabor this, but just to give you a little bit of since I'm already hearkening back to where I talked about in Ezekiel, because if there's anything I think is outside the Lord's realm, it's uh, magic stones. But the Lord gives instruction. If you go all the way back to when he's establishing the first high priest and outfitting him, he says, put a, get a pouch and put these stones called Urim and Thummim. Urim and Thummim, I think is how they're said. And they are given so that the priest at a time of decision looks at those and depending on what he sees when he looks at them, he takes that as a word from God. All that to say, Saul tried that and it didn't. He wasn't getting anything from that either. No dreams, no vision in these stones, and it says, nor prophets. Verse 7, then said Saul unto his servants, seek me. A woman that hath a familiar spirit that I might go to her and inquire of her. 
Find me a woman who is a medium, and I will go consult her. His servants said, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. Saul disguised himself, verse 8, put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him whom I shall name unto thee. Let me read you that verse in the other translation. He put on his different clothes. He, after dark, went with the two of his men to see the woman, and he said, Consult the spirits for me, and tell me what is going to happen. He said to her, Call up, call up the spirit of the man I name. Everybody say desperate. desperate. That's a picture of desperation that we're seeing right here. He's desperate for a word from God, really. Well, let me rephrase that. He's desperate for a different word from God. He's already had the word from God. We'll see that as proof in here in a moment. But he's still desperate nonetheless. Verse 9, the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest that what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Surely you know what King Saul has done. He forced the fortune tellers and mediums to leave Israel. Why then are you trying to trap me and get me killed? Verse 10, Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. He hadn't revealed who he is yet. She just, I was, I was thinking about this. And uh, I'm not going to call her a, a lady of character. So I don't know what transpired. Apparently his word was enough for her to feel like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> just think about it. I don't know why, he, why she just all of a sudden just decided, sure, okay, I'll take your word for it, and we'll do this thing anyways. Verse 11, Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. Oh, I'm saying it again. Lord, thou knowest. You know where Samuel was at, at the state that he was in because we already read that he died. Right? I believe the Lord would do things just to help teach us. He said, bring me up Samuel. Verse 12, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, why hast thou deceived me, for thou art Saul? Let me just put this in real basic English for a second, if I can. This medium, which is not basic English, this witch is basic English. This witch called Samuel's spirit from the dead, not knowing that he was the prophet Samuel, and all of a sudden she realized, what did I just do? I called back the man of God. 
screams with a loud voice. And she says, that's him. Now I know who you are too. You've really tricked me here. Lord, thou knowest. Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art all. Verse 13, And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? Don't be afraid, the king said to her. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. The other translation is a little bit more easier for me to comprehend. She said, I see a spirit coming up from the earth. God's is a strange way of putting it, but that's, she sees a spirit coming up out of the earth. She's going to give it a description here. Verse 14, what does it look like, Saul asked. It's an old man coming up. She answered, and he's wearing a cloak, or King James says, a mantle. Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Say it with me. Lord, thou knowest. Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul, Lo, I was dead. <laughs> no, he says, Why hast thou disquieted me or disturbed me? Why did you make me come back? Saul said, I am sore distressed. Everybody say, sore distressed. I learned a few things when I was learning about King James language, and the word sore just means very. I am very distressed. I'm so distressed, prophet, man of God, that I went through all of this to find a way to get you back out of the dead to talk to me. I mean, that's, I'm sore distressed. Everybody get the picture of what's happening here? I'm sore distressed. Let me tell you why. For the Philistines make war against me. Do you really think Samuel cares at this point? Just be honest. The Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me. And answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. I want to talk to you just for a minute about distress. We see a very vivid picture of it here in the life of Saul, and we've talked a lot about Saul the last month or so at various times. Um, but suffice it to say, Saul had some issues, major issues. But in this particular instance, his issue was he was facing an imminent battle in the natural the, 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 the soldiers are coming to fight me. But the greater issue is God is no longer responding to me. 
I've been looking back and forth. I told you it's First Samuel, Second Samuel, and it's in both when we because it, it juxtaposes the story of Saul and the story of David simultaneously throughout these two books. And every time it says David, now I, I'm just going to give you a plug. I've done this before. I'm going to give you another plug for the Good News translation on the U Version Bible app. Take it or leave it. But because listening to that for me has caused me to realize every time David was about to or even thinking about going to any sort of battle, it says, and David asked the Lord, should I go to battle? And it says, and the Lord said, either yes or no. A very, very plain conversation. Saul had that at one time. He didn't necessarily have the direct line to God in conversation, but he had it through Samuel. So he would go to Samuel and say, can we go to battle? I'm just itching to go to battle and win a, win a battle. And Samuel would either say, yes, go, and the Lord be with thee, or he'd say, no, don't go, because the Lord's not going to be with you. So he got used to that line of communication, and now it's no longer there. He's distressed, sore distressed. This is the meaning of it. Bound up tightly by circumstance or influence. Distressed bound up i was thinking about this because i don't remember how long ago it was and when it became a style i think it may be I, I don't know you see all kinds of styles these days but distressed blue jeans you remember that sorry that's blue jeans my son's probably thinking we don't call them that that's the southern in me we call them blue jeans no matter what color they are but so uh, I, I, I saw this word and I got that picture. So all of a sudden it became cool to look like you're wearing trashy clothes. Remember this? First it was like cuts and holes. Uh, this, let me just take you back to me in high school for a little bit, okay? You could go to the store, Old Navy even. You could look on the rack and on the, on the kneecaps of men's jeans were literal phrase and holes. And they want you to pay good money for that. I mean, they weren't half off because they had holes in them. They were more because they were on the rack that way. But so, so picture that. That's really an accurate uh, description of distressed because they call that look distressed. But now think of it in Saul's life saying, I am distressed, sore distressed. What did I say sore means? Very. I'm very distressed. My life, what's going on in here right now in my spirit, looks a whole lot like those distressed jeans that are just ready to be torn to shreds. Those are the circumstances that I'm living in. I've got a battle, and I've got no instruction for this battle. I've got no direction for it. I have no word from God about yes or no, fight or don't fight, how to fight. Fight for how many days, how many soldiers to take with me. He usually gives me a battle plan, but I'm not getting a battle plan. So that's why I woke you from the dead, Samuel. 
Now, okay, let me just tell you this before we keep reading. Being in a state of, dis, uh, of distress can... <laughs> this wasn't funny when I was typing it, but it's funny now. Being in a state of distress can cause you to do some strange things. Things you would not do otherwise. Like consult a medium. I'm not saying you can get in such a way that you need to do that. I'm just saying being in distress causes you to, you don't start thinking with a clear mind, you start thinking with all kinds of crazy ideas. I haven't tried this yet, maybe we should give that a shot. Why? It's because of the circumstances of my distress that's causing me to think that. One more time. Being in a state of great distress can cause you to do some strange things. So let's see what Samuel raised from the dead Samuel has to say about this. Verse 16. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me? Seeing the Lord is departed from thee. You know the circumstances, Saul. Did you really need me to come back and remind you? Well, I was just kind of hoping it had changed. Let's be honest with ourselves. How frequently do we find ourselves in troublesome situations where we know what the actual will of God is for that situation, yet we're over here hoping it can be anything but that. I know the Lord has given me direction for this situation, and He's told me probably more than once, through more than one vessel, this is what you ought to be doing. I wonder how long I can wait before He changes His mind. (laughs) I wonder if I can get myself in so much trouble that he has no choice but to change his mind to rescue me. Is that too honest for anybody? Got my six-year-old son sitting there. Yeah, he's halfway there. But this, this, is, what, this is what children do. Will you change your mind? Or this one, oh God help us. The father says no, so the child goes and finds a possible other answer. Oh. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, but I was telling, talking to somebody and they said that was their parents' biggest pet peeve. It's, when, it's not well, high on my list either. I don't, I'm not, I don't really care for that, especially... When I'm asked and I give an answer and then I see the little one come back doing the exact opposite of what the answer was as if they have permission to do it. Like not, I'm trying to sneak this by. I'm blatantly walking around with this whole plate of Cheetos because somebody told me I could have them. It wasn't me. And then I got to ask, did you go and ask your mother? After, I, after you asked me, and I told you no. Lord, help us as parents, because they do that. 
Now, Lord, Lord, help us as his children because we do that. The Lord tells me, nay, and I think, maybe. I'll, I'll even go look in the New Testament to see if there's a yay in the New Testament since it's a nay in the Old Testament. Or, oh, I'm not trying to be mean. Don't read into this. I don't have anybody in, in mind. Or I'll go and listen for another voice from another preacher, another man of God, who his, maybe his nay is a yay. I promise you, if you search far enough and hard enough, you'll find that. Sometimes you don't have to search far at all. Let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us know where to look. So, uh, I'll give you a modern 2020, uh, 2022 reference here. It's almost like you got two different social media accounts. And when you're not seeing what you want to see on this feed, log out, log in, switch over, Oh, there it is. That's the answer. I, I knew it was in here somewhere. That's the answer I'm looking for. That's the influence I'm looking for. That's the Word of God that I needed. That's the mom saying yes when the dad said no, or vice versa. Now, I'm, we're just looking at what Saul's going through here. And he's been given the Word. The word is, because you did this, I'm going to do this. I, 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 I'm so greatly appreciative of the ministry Brother Kendrick shared with us on Sunday. To me, I see it very much correlating and aligned with this because when the Lord passes judgment, when he says nay, he is the only one that can change that nay to yay. You, you probably have heard this. I've mentioned this before. But we, think about David and Bathsheba for a moment. They conceive a child, and that child gets struck and sick. The Lord had already told David, I'm taking that child's life. The Lord had said nay to David. But David, beseeching the Lord, asking, begging, praying to the Lord, Will you just please? It, there's only one person that can change this, and it's you. Will you please? And he's seeking the Lord. Now, this is David. He's like, he's like the ultimate good to Saul's ultimate evil. And we're talking about him as our example here. He's praying to the Lord, please change it. Please change it. He says he's fasting and praying. For that, for that child's life. And then he dies. The Lord's judgment is sustained. He die, the, the child dies. The servants are almost afraid to tell David because they think if he's already like this, how much worse is he going to get when he finds out that the Lord didn't spare that child? But he does the 180 on them. They say, yes, he's gone. And David, all right, well, let's go see what's in the refrigerator then and they're like what but he because he shares with them look if you look closely you see this in scripture david shares with his servants 
while the child was sick, but still alive, God might have spared the child. He knows the Lord. That This is David. This is the same one we heard about on Sunday. The Lord might have. I, 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 I took the, the same option as what we heard about on Sunday. I'm choosing the Lord's mercy. I'm choosing to request the Lord's mercy. So while the child was just sick, the Lord might have healed him, restored him, but he didn't. David's got enough understanding to know. It's a lot like what Job would say. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. He can do that. Saul had spent enough time with Samuel, I, I suspect, to know and believe the Lord can do that. The Lord, you, you told me you're taking the kingdom away from me. You told me you're giving it to somebody else. Uh, you can change your mind if you want to. In this instance, he certainly did not. Let's go back. Verse 16 again. 1 Samuel 28, 16. Samuel said, Wherefore hast thou... Wherefore dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy? Oh. The Lord has become thine enemy. That's a key difference. Never did he become David's enemy. He worked the way he needed to work, according to his plan and his will and his purpose, but never to the point of saying, I'm turned against you now. I want to share just a thought with you. I, I wholeheartedly believe, and, and, and I'm going back to Sunday again and some of the things Brother Kendrick shared. He meant, remember when he talked about mercy, following me, really he said pursuing me, chasing after me. But what Brother Kendrick said was, if you really wanted to, you could outrun the mercy of God. It's following you. I picture it like a little street sweeper and it's going at its own pace and I can't go any faster than this because I'm cleaning up your last mess. And this is my pace. And you can get so far out there that there's enough mess between me and you that I can't make up for all of it while you're out there doing your own junk. My wife had asked me a while back, we were just talking about some various situations, um, different people's lives not connected uh, here at all, and um, just you see this happen, and this happen, and this happen, and think, why? Why, is it, why does it seem like that's happening to them, and almost like it's happening exclusively to them? Well, I felt like what the Lord had shared with me is, and it's a lot like what we just said. If I can't cover that with my mercy, it's susceptible. It's open. The, the individual could make a choice to remove themselves from outside of the covering of God on their life. 
And once that happens, when you remove yourself from his covering, you remove yourself from his principles. You can't bind him to his word if you won't be bound to his word. Oh, the Lord loves everybody. He's going to heal everybody that gets sick, including me if I get sick. So I just... Verse 17. Now, just look at what's the last, ver- what's the last word in verse 16? What's the last word in verse 16? All right. Verse 17. The Lord hath done to him, and as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. You remember this, right? It's all the Lord, as the Lord had me tell you. Now, there's two, two key words that go back also, all the way back to that, that setting. Let's read verse 18 first. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Those are the two key words. This day. This is not the first time we see those. We see it back then when they have this initial encounter. Remember this? Samuel tells Saul, This day hath the Lord taken the kingdom out of your hand and given it to another. Saul was still king all the way up to this point. This is many years later. But all the way back then, it was this day hath the Lord taken the kingdom out of your hand and given it to another. Because of your action this day. I'm almost done. I just got one more thing I want to share here. Again in verse 18. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Now, if he would have obeyed, he would have executed the fierce wrath. Right? That, that's what that situation is referring to. The Lord said, utterly destroy all of them. And he did not utterly destroy all of them. So he did not obey. Everybody still with me? This is what I see here. We have to be careful when we want to exercise mercy and the Lord does not. I'm not saying necessarily that Saul was just choosing to be merciful on the king, but he didn't obey and the Lord's instruction was very clear. I want judgment on the Amalekites. Right now, in this fashion. But then the man comes in and decides to be a mediator between what is that judgment 
and what punishment is actually executed. Oh, just, uh, I can just imagine Saul being in the place that he was. Soldiers bringing sheep or people or whatever it is. Saul, do we execute this one or not? Hmm, that one looks pretty good. Why don't you just put him over here for now? All right, what about this one? Oh, yeah, go ahead and slay that one. Looks awful. All right, what about this one? And so he's, he's, he's exercising a role that's not his to exercise. That is a very dangerous place to be in for everyone. The enemy would love nothing more than to convince you that your opinion is what is really the important one in the situation. What would you do if it was up to you? Ah, spare them. They probably can be of some value somewhere. When the question should be asked, what has the Lord told me to do? How does he feel about this? What does he expect from me in this situation? I believe I believe through the work of the Holy Ghost in your life God can and does expect you to enforce what he says to enforce through the Holy Ghost in your life not just anybody okay this is a very key statement now please hear me what I'm saying this does not mean everybody can operate the way that they think is best. That's exactly what I just said is not supposed to happen. But when the Lord gives you His Spirit, gives you His Word, and gives you His instruction, He can expect you to follow it. Ask the man of God if you don't know. Saying that with a smile. Ask. Use the Holy Ghost that's inside you. Use the authority that God has put you under. And expect it to work. If anything, I didn't even see this really coming. But if anything, what the Lord is sharing with us tonight is a reason why you need the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven, and that's it. Really? That's it. You just need the Holy Ghost so you can check a box when you get to heaven. Yep, been there, done that, I'm good, let me in. I promise you, Life is easier with the Holy Ghost. I promise you life is easier with the Holy Ghost in charge. With the Holy Ghost leading. That is 
life. That is peace. That is joy. They didn't have the Holy Ghost back then the way that we had it, the way that we have it now with the, and the sign of speaking in tongues as evidence. But wouldn't you say that the Lord's anointing on his chosen vessel is pretty close? I'm talking about Saul again. There was no question, no doubt in anybody's mind that not even in David's mind, the replacement, no doubt, no question, this is God's chosen vessel. His spirit rests upon this man. And that man, with direct access to the prophet, all the priests, Everything at his disposal that he needs to have a right relationship with God. That man couldn't do it. Uh, let me just remind you. I think it was First uh, Samuel 15. You don't have to go there, but you can look there later. First Samuel 15 is the encounter with the Amalekites. This was not the first time, I said this a couple of weeks ago, this was not the first time that Saul decided to execute his own action, fill in for Samuel. I'm almost done. I'm trying to watch the time. I'm going to give you this really quick. I'm not going to take the time to read it. I believe it's, uh, it's in one of the earlier chapters, 9 or 10, something like that. When Saul is first chosen before there was a king and Saul decides or you, you might remember this I talked a little bit about it at our United service a couple weeks ago remember his, his father's donkeys go missing and he goes searching for him he's not anybody at anything at this time he's not anointed he's not known he's not on the on anybody's radar but Samuel's because Samuel had already had this conversation with the Lord. Tomorrow you're going to see the guy that I've chosen to be king. He comes into town. Now there's a reason why I'm telling you this. Saul goes into Samuel's town at the advice of his friend. They looked, I think it was for three days, couldn't find those that heard and the friend says, we're looking everywhere. This is not working. Why don't we go ask a prophet? Why don't we go ask a seer, ask a man of God? He probably could tell us some stuff. And I think there actually is one in this next town over. Let's go visit him. So this is Saul's entry into the picture, into the God picture. Coming into the town where Samuel lives. The first thing they do, I believe it was a well outside of the town, somewhere in there, they find a group of women that are from that town and say, where's the seer? Where's the prophet? We have a question we need to ask him. I promise you this is in there. Go, you can read it after this. It's, more, it's much more, get the version app, Good News Translation, push play, and you'll, you'll learn it just like I did. They're not paying me anything.
these women tell Saul and his friend, yeah, we do have a prophet in this town. In fact, he actually has an appointment this afternoon up on the hill where there is a, uh, a, a, an altar. He's, he's scheduled to do a sacrifice this afternoon. You're, you're at the right place at the right time. But he's not up there yet, and the sacrifice hasn't happened yet. How do you know that? Well, because he doesn't do the sacrifice. Nobody does anything until he gets there. Nobody does anything until the priest, the, the, the prophet gets there because he's got to do this thing. He's got to lay this out and he's got to tie it, the sacrifice. He's got to inspect it, all this stuff. Instruction. So Saul and his friend, his compadre, they hear this. All right, well, we're in town. Maybe we can catch him. Uh, in town before he gets up there then. So they're on their way, they visit, and then they go into town, and who do you think they see? Mr. Samuel, the prophet. They don't know it's him. Good sir. Is there a prophet in this town? The Lord speaks to Samuel. The guy I told you about last night, that's him right there. That young man right in front of you. That's him. (laughs) I I just love the way the Lord can enlighten and quicken his word to his vessel so much because he also inserts this little thing Samuel does to Saul through the Lord. Don't worry about the donkeys. They're headed back. Wait a minute. I didn't ask you any donkeys. You must be the seer. We found him by George. But the Lord says, or through Samuel, the Lord says, I am beholding what the people want. Remember Saul and his name is desired, the desired one. I am now beholding the desired one. I I just say that to just to remind you. Saul had been getting instruction from that point forward on proper procedures, proper instruction. If it, he knew it. He knew it from the moment he came on the scene. We don't do things until the prophet's here. But in, in chapter 13 and in chapter 15, he decides, I can do this. I don't need the Lord. I don't need to wait for the Lord's procedure. The Lord likes me enough that he'll let me violate his principles because of who I am. I shouldn't have to say this to anybody, including myself. Who thinks they can violate the Lord's principles just because you are who you are? I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, and you just happen to be hearing it, all right? Who, who thinks they can vi- Oh, the Lord loves me. I know he, he, he loves so-and-so, and he cares about them, and he does this and for them, and that's great. But me and him are like this. 
And uh, he'll let me slide wherever, however I need to. God forbid you get put into a situation where you are expected, allowed to, and expected to act upon that line of thinking. You're good, you do it. You're good enough, you fill in for the Lord. Nope, all we do is listen and obey. That's the safest thing you can do in any part of your walk with the Lord. Listen for His voice. Listen for His instruction. Listen for His direction. His voice. And then obey it. There's a reason why we often are referred to as His sheep. Because sheep have two jobs. Listen and obey. Hear my sheep. Hear my voice. And they know it. When I talk to them, they obey. Why don't we stand? I believe the Lord is speaking to us tonight. I want to give us a chance to respond in prayer. Jesus, I want my heart to be open to you, Father. I want to be open and honest with you, Lord. I want to have a relationship with you, God, that comes from a place of honesty. I want to have a relationship built on principles of your word, God. Built on revelation and understanding of who you are. God, and what your will is for my life, what your plan is for my life. I believe, Lord, you could lead each one of us to that place. God, I know that you desire to draw us close by your side. God, to a place that you would talk with us, where you would commune with us, Lord Jesus, where I would be allowed to know your voice, where I would be allowed to know your instruction, Lord God. I want to know your instruction for my life, Jesus. God, I want to know your direction, your will for my life. I know you have a plan, God, and you have timing for each one of us, Lord Jesus. You've made all things perfect in their season. All things complete in their own time, Lord Jesus. I want to know the time and the plan, the purpose for my life, Lord Jesus, for this moment for this day. Let me hear your voice, Lord God. I'm not listening, God, for other sounds. I'm not listening, Lord Jesus, to other things that would distract me from hearing your voice. Other voices, Lord, other noise that would distract me from hearing the clear sound of your voice, God. You've said it in your word, Lord, obedience is better than sacrifice. To hearken is better than the fat of rams. To hearken, Lord. I want to hearken. I want to listen. I want to hear and obey, Lord God. Every moment, God, in every area of my life, I want to hear and obey what is your direction, what is your voice, what is your leading. I desire it, Lord God, in my own life. 
Jesus, we desire it in this congregation. God, we desire the leading of your spirit. God, we desire your voice to speak, that it would be loud and clear, God, that it would be resounding in our ears, resounding in our spirits, O oh God, that there would be no question, Lord Jesus, no wondering, God, no disputing, what is your word? What is your decision? What is your voice? In the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord's helping us right now. The Lord's helping us learn how to make decisions. The Lord's helping us learn how to hear his voice, how to follow his voice. In the name of Jesus. God, I don't even want to know the sound of other voices. I don't even want to know the feeling of other spirits, Lord. I just want You, Lord Jesus. I desire a pure and right relationship with You, God. I desire a holy relationship with You, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, God, take me to the place of right relationship, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let the Lord just hear your voice for a little bit longer. Come on. Just talk to the Lord for a little bit longer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to be obedient to you, Jesus. We want to be submitted to you, to your authority, to your voice, God, to your directing, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. like as was talked about on Sunday, the mercy of God, that the, the Lord's ex extending his mercy tonight, and if you know that you need that mercy, or if you know you need that alignment 
that needs to take place back within the the authority of God, back within His covering. I I wouldn't tarry <laughs> any longer. It's a serious thing that's to be the enemy of God that stood out to me so strongly that Saul got to that point. And, you know, it, it brought the verse to my mind from the New Testament that the carnal mind is in enmity with God. It can't be subject to God. And a carnal mind is one that thinks we have it figured out that doesn't submit to the law or the plan or the will of God, but continues in iniquity. Amen. One more time before we go, can we thank the Lord? Can we act on, on this word for a moment tonight? Jesus, I want to be responsive to you. Father, I want you to transform my mind. I submit it to you tonight. God, any area in me that is at enmity with you, I submit it to you tonight, Jesus. I consecrate it to you, O oh God, every thought. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Not my will, O oh God, but yours be done. Father, your ways are above my ways and your thoughts are above my thoughts. Jesus, I surrender trying to figure things out. I surrender trying to figure out what tomorrow holds. And I submit it to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher. I submit it to you in the name of Jesus. Father, that your will would be done. That your plan would be accomplished. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Have a blessed evening.